Matthew 25, starting at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will come to those on his right and say, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of, the least of these brothers, you did it to me. This is God's word, and we thank him for it. It's lovely to be with you again this morning. It's about three years since I was here last time, and uh, the Lord has really been blessing our ministry. Uh, we're all familiar with the scripture that says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any should boast. That is the gift that God gives to us. We are saved 95% by God's grace and 5% by what we do. Isn't that right? No, it's not. Of course it's not. We're saved 100% by God's grace. What we do makes absolutely nothing to do, has nothing to do with our salvation. But there are many, many places in Scripture that instructs us that whenever we're saved, we're saved to serve. And there's no getting away from it. We are saved to serve, and we serve in different capacities. There's an expectation on us as God's children to be about his business. Matthew 25 that we read has got... Three parables, and had we read the whole chapter. The ten virgins, we know the story. The coins, we know the story. It's all about the expectation of being about his business until he returns again. And then, of course, there's Matthew 25 that we read. And you'll never read it off that because it's too small. But the bit I want to emphasize, of course, is the last bit of it there. The, tr- the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. There's the expectation on that. Let me take you to Tanzania. Before I do, let me thank you as a church and as individuals in the church for the support that you've given, the partnership that you've been involved in with Kids for School, because that's what it's all about. It's all about partnership. That's what makes it work. But let me take you to Tanzania. Tanzania, you can put the British Isles in about four times. It's a big country. That red dot is where we work in the central Dodoma region. That's a big region. In fact, whenever you fly into Dar es Salaam on the east coast, it takes nine and a half hours in the bus to get to that wee dot there. Gives you some idea of the size. But this is a, a country that is hot, dry, dark, arid, dusty, almost all the year round. At least this region that we work in, very, very little rain in that area. Extremely poor. This is a picture of the typical terrain that's there. Nothing grows except thorns and the baba trees. The baba trees 
won't burn so that they don't cut them down. Otherwise, they'll be cut down to burn. But this is typical of the terrain there. Where the people live, this is typical of a village house. It's not just for a meeting like this. This is the typical village houses in which the area in which we work. Mud block, grass roof, poverty. Inside, no furniture, no beds, no chairs, no tables, nothing like that. Lie on the floor. If they're lucky, they have a little bit of a, a weave mat through bamboo. So whenever it does rain and it drips down through the roof and the mud gets, the floor gets all muddy, they're not lying in the mud. That's what I'm talking about. Poverty. They have a little bit of ground round about their hut. And whenever the rain does come, the problem with the rain is there, it comes usually the beginning of January to the beginning of March. It's not guaranteed, but that's the rainy season. But it doesn't sustain, if you know what I mean. It just comes in big clumps and then stops in big clumps. Well, you see, they'll, they'll know the rain's coming. They'll get, their, they'll get their seeds in in anticipation of the harvest for the maize, the white corn to come up, and everything looks great. But then the rain stops again, and then everything dies. And that's, that's the way it is this year. That's the way it was last year. That's the way it was the year before. And all you see is these dead crops, and that equates to poverty, to starvation. That's the reality of it. It's a hard life. It's a particularly hard life for the ladies. Do you know the ladies in Africa do all the work? Don't let me down now, ladies. Keep up, keep up. Do all the work here too, don't they? But in Africa, it's a man-dominated society, and the, the, the men do some work, but the, so don't attack me afterwards. But the women do most of the work. Let me describe, if you were a Tanzanian lady, what part of your day, every day of your life would entail. First thing in the morning, you're out with the young girls, the rest of the ladies from the village. You've got your machete, your big steel-bladed knife. You're going out to look for trees that do burn. That's why there's so few of them. And you're going to chop the branches off them. And you're going to bundle them up onto your head, march it back to your village. Use that for lighting a fire if you have any food. Uh, making rough fences, there's no B&Q, something like that. That's your first job. Next job, well, the, re- the, the, the sun is only just starting to come up. You've got to get water. Now, where we work, now, this is the important bit. In the center of the Doma region, there's no, the area that we work in, there is not one water tap. There is not one drip of clean, safe drinking water. The only water available is where it has rained in the past, collected in puddles, in those puddles are the bugs, the flies, the animals. That is your next job. You're going to get a container, fill it up for drinking water for your family. You've got to march that two and three miles back to your village and do that a couple or three times a day. It's not making you tired even thinking about it, wouldn't it? But the reason why I'm saying this, and that is the reality of it, something's taking place here. I did say that the young girls are going out with their mothers. These young girls, they're learning a lifestyle. And that lifestyle, all it will entail is getting the sticks in the morning, getting the water in the morning, getting up into their late teens if they are lucky and getting pregnant. And that whole cycle of poverty just goes on and on. And that will continue. There is no future for them whatsoever unless something breaks in to change that. And that's where we believe education comes in. We want to make these young girls dissatisfied with their lot in life. And so long as we can offer the alternative, it can only be a good thing. We need to get them educated. Get them into school. Get them educated. Boys too, but get the girls educated. Give them an education that will expand their mind and how they look at things so that they can get a job. Now, that will not be in the villages. There's no jobs in the villages. But in the towns and the cities, if they have the educational wherewithal. 
Otherwise, well, they're just going to continue this process, getting water for the rest of their lives. You know, it's little wonder that life expectancy in Tanzania is not so high. 56. If I was an average Tanzanian, I would be dead. I'm looking around here, it wouldn't be my own either. That's that's the reality of it. But there's a worse figure than that. And that's the children. If you take on average five children, before those five children reach their fifth birthday, more than one of them will be dead. And the leading cause of death in children, we might think, naturally so, malnutrition, no it's not, starvation, no it's not. Now these are killers, AIDS, no it's not. All killers, but they're not the top of the list. You might think of, well, we don't think too much about malaria. It's too cold here for those wee beasties. Uh, But you always have to remember that a child dies in Africa every single minute by getting bitten by an infected mosquito and contracting malaria every minute. But that's not top of the list either. Top of the list, diarrhea. Naturally so, by the filthy drinking water that they're forced to drink. They have no option. And every 21 seconds, a child dies by drinking dirty water. And these kids are filling notes with containers to take with them to school if they have something to drink. Time is marching on. It's little wonder whenever that lady gives the wee dish up to her child to give her something to drink, she's saying, why does my child get diarrhea again? That's exactly why. You know, 80% of children dying in the developing world die from water-related illness. That's how important water is. That's why we build these things here. These are rainwater storage tanks. We put gutters under the roof of the schools. They don't normally have gutters under the tin roof. We pipe it into this construction that we build, reinforced concrete. Uh, dome shape, nothing can get in except through that feeder pipe and water's been tested in these tanks at six months with no bacteria in it, whole secret of keeping storing water is keeping it in darkness put a, uh, a bottle of water out in the sun or a single bad, covered up it won't, so these hold thousands of gallons of water, we've built to date 44 of these tanks in the almost 10 years that we've been going, last year we built 11, this year we've already built 4 and these are so that these kids can have clean, safe drinking water at school. Rainwater. You see, whenever it does rain there, it's not like our sprinkle. It's just like somebody had a big bucket and it pours the tippet and it runs maybe for a week and then it stops for two weeks and then the same thing happens again. So it's wrong with the crops, washes away. But one of those tanks will fill in a day. This is, we don't bottle the water, but this is just a comparison. This is what they normally drink. And this, of course, is what out of these tanks. These kids deserve an awful lot more than what they get. Ours is child sponsorship. 100% of our child sponsorship goes to Africa. There is not a penny taken out for administrative costs. Any administrative costs we had are very low. I am retired. I don't get paid. The car outside is a lovely car, but it's mine. We have none of those things draining our resources. Any administrative costs we have at the office are paid by a Christian company in Belfast and other means, gift aid, things like that. But all of our sponsorship goes 100% to Africa. What does it do? It's all about partnership. It's all about partnership. It's about giving a child an opportunity for a future and giving the family of that child. Because if you can educate the child, they get a job, they get an income, that will bring the family up as well. Our sponsorship is £39 a year 
not a month, a year. What does it do? Well, to go to school in Tanzania, the government of Tanzania, Tanzania says, you must have certain things. You must have a school uniform and a proper school shoes. Now, if you've seen the children there, they're running around in their rags and their bare feet. But to go to government schools, they have to have these things. They have to take their books with them. There's no education board that's supplying all these books for whenever they get there. No, they have to take the books with them. They have to pay exam fees. So that's what that sponsorship does. But it's also more than that. If you imagine that child coming out of that mud hut that you saw in the morning, no breakfast. I got my breakfast in bed this morning. And it wasn't my birthday either. <laughs> my wife spoils me. <laughs> but they don't get a breakfast. They go to school. There's no such thing as school meals. They come home in the afternoon and they're lucky. If there's something to eat, they'll get it. If not, they won't. So we feed them a meal every... Included in our sponsorship is this meal. Uh, we feed them every single day. School holidays included. You see, we can buy their staple, which is maize, maize flour. We buy it in the mills in the Doma. We pay to get it shipped out to the 10 uh, primary schools we work in to the 10 feeding stations at those primary schools that we have built. We paid to get them transported out. We paid 10 ladies from local churches to feed them, to, to cook it up and serve them. We can feed them a meal every single day for a year. School holidays included, as I said, for less than £15 a year. £15 a year. And that's included in that £39. This is what they normally eat. Ugali is its name. It looks like mashed potatoes. It's sweet. It's nutritious. They think it's lovely. I think it's stinking. I wouldn't eat it. I don't have to eat it. But they love it. That, if they could grow it, that's what they would grow. So you have Ugali there. You've got another format, which is a wee bit, same stuff, but made in a different way, called Uji, which is Swahili for porridge. And it's this Uji. They'll get cups of this porridge, a couple of cups of this porridge. And you see, whenever those plastic cups come back, there's not one spot on them, inside or out. They'll get their fingers, they'll get their tongues in, they'll get their fingers in, and there's not one bit wasted. I tell you, these kids are bringing. Even the big pot that it's cooked in, whenever it's finished, they're in there with their hands, they're cleaning that out. You know, kids, they're brilliant. They appreciate absolutely everything. You know when you give somebody a child here? I don't like that. My grandkids are the worst. My wife's the worst. She says, you don't like it, love, will I make you something else? I would say, look, eat it or do without. I know what side my bread's buttered on. I keep my mouth shut. But these kids, they're so appreciative of the simple meal that they get every single day. So that's what their sponsorship does. It enables them to go to school and have a meal every day for a year. But going to school is not easy. There's seven years primary education. And then there's a transfer test. Now, you can go to school when you're six if you've got the sponsorship. Or if you're 13 before you get the sponsorship, you go into the same class, primary one or standard one. That's okay. You go into a standard seven or primary seven class, and this 13-year-old is now 20, and you're looking up at them. It's kind of weird, but that's the way it works. You, once you start school, you have seven years primary education, then a transfer test. If you can pass that once, first time, you only get one opportunity. You're not allowed to reset it. You can pass it as long as you have the sponsorship, well, you can go on to secondary school. We have quite a kids, number of kids in secondary school. But if you don't pass it, what happens? Well, you're right. And you're right for the rest of your lives. And it's not easy. The national pass rate of that exam is one in nine. Now, given that 50% of the children in Tanzania do not go to school, 
Of the 50% that do go to school, only one in nine pass that test and can go on to secondary school. So what happens? Well, the girls will be out getting their sticks, getting their water, and all the rest of it for the rest of their lives. Finish, that's their life. No hope, no future. The boys will be out in the fields with their fathers, no ploughs, a hoe, breaking at sun-scorched, brick-hard ground. And the hope that the rains are coming, seeing it germinate, see it looking great, and then seeing it die, soul-destroying. That's all they have looked forward to. So he says, right, we have to offer them an alternative. If they can't make it an, an academic route, they have to go vocational. So we offer them the opportunity to learn a trade. And we've identified some trades that we know that at the end of the day, they will get a job. Or we will help them to become self-employed. Welding's one of them, believe it or not. Every house in the Doma has got burglar bars on it, these things here. Now, no good in the villages. If you put those burglar bars onto the mud hut and shook the bars, the walls would fall down. But in the town, they've got burglar bars. So we teach them to make that. You always identify any trade there with a target market. You've got to identify what they're going to produce to earn a living. This is what they do. We have a three-year joinery course. Basic joinery, not fine carpentry. We've already have, I think there's four kids that's graduated from that three-year course, but still quite a lot of kids in it. And those ones who have graduated have got work, they're employed, and that's what it's about too. But you learn, teach them to make simple things like tables, chairs, something like that. There's no, that went down like a lead balloon, pass over that one. The, uh, there's no fancy casket makers over there. But if you teach them to make something like that, you've given them a job. Or sewing. We have shipped out about 35 at least of the old Singer treadle sewing machines. The foot powered ones. My grannies went out in one of the last containers, and that's as I old it is. Uh, but they're going strong. We teach them to sew. What do we teach them to sew? What's the target market here? Well, it's not going to be dressmaking, clothes making. Yes, teach them to sew. They'll be able to do those things, but they're never going to earn a living doing those things. Target market, school uniforms. Every child going to school needs a school uniform, but there's no school uniform factories. So where do you get the school uniforms? Well, you'll march the child down to the market. Somebody will be sitting there with a treadle sewing machine. They'll measure the child up. They'll say, come back in four days. You'll come back, and there'll be a good quality standardized school uniform ready for you. That's how it works. So we teach these kids to make school uniforms. And whenever they're proficient, we buy the uniforms from them. And you're creating industry, self-worth, and you're just helping them and their family up out of poverty. This is the group that's in just at the minute. They're, it's a year course. They're just about to graduate later on, uh, well, actually, later on this month. Look at the smiles. Well, all you see is white teeth, like, you know, but look at the smiles. Any wonder they're smiling. They have failed their transfer test. Ordinarily, they would just, no future. Now they have. Now, <coughs> we are an evangelical gospel mission. Our goal, to win these kids and their families to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every morning, we have devotions and chorus singing in our sewing classes. And you know, over the last wee while, we have seen two of these girls come to know the Lord Jesus as their personal saviour. That's what it's about. We want to give a holistic uh, ministry. You know, the, uh, it's just wonderful. These girls here, this is, this is uh, our vocational training end. Now, if I could just do it in one of these, maybe just see. That 
would be the room that those girls were in. That gives you some idea of the size of these buildings. And these are all built, completed, and we're just thrilled. You know, being a faith mission as we are, we don't say, right, there's something we need to do. Let's see if we can raise the funds to do it. No, we do not. There's a child who needs to go to school. Let's see if we can uh, take their picture, go home, and see if we can get them a sponsor. No, we do not. If we see a need, we address the need because we expect God to meet that need. We adopted the words of J. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary of China. And his famous, one of his famous sayings is this, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. So if it's his work, you do it in his way, it's up to him to supply the resources to get it done. And I mean that reverently. And that's the, the approach that we have always taken, whether it's a building, whether it's sponsorship, and he has never, ever let us down. This is our primary school. These, are just, these buildings are just finished about a month ago and ready to be occupied. They're brilliant buildings. Now, they're maybe not so fantastic by a primary school standard here. They're a hundred times better than any primary school you will find in Tanzania. And that's the way it should be. But what I'm getting, trying to get across is, whenever we stepped out, we had no funds to do that. But God has supplied the resources, the manpower, the expertise, and the finances to get those buildings done. And we give him all the praise. That's who he is. This is the campus that we're building. We were given 18 acres of ground, and we're building, I was going to say it was a greenfield site, it wasn't, it was all thorns, but we're building, that, those two bits there are our uh, vocational and our primary. Behind that, it'll be our secondary school once we get it built, and our dormitories, and then central to it all, of course, the church, so that we will have a, an outreach, means of outreach in that whole big campus. We have teams that go out every year. We had four last year. This is just a selection of pictures of different ones that went out. Wouldn't have room for them all. But these, one, many of them want to go out and do different things. But the main thrust of what we do in our teams is Holiday Bible Club. We have a golden opportunity. We'll ring up any of those head teachers and we'll say to those teachers, another team's coming. How long for? Two weeks. School's yours. And they hand the skill. Any of those ten primary schools, they'll hand the skill over to us for those two weeks. And, of course, that's what we do. We do the, the Bible story, the memory verses, all the things that we normally do. Puppet ministry. Man, they just love puppets. If you can produce a little black puppet out of a bag and it starts to talk to them, you have a, The eyes just pop out onto their cheeks, you know. Brilliant. We also teach them some choruses now. This is... This is an oldie, oldie here. But they had never heard of it before. But I want you to notice before the week clips it finishes. See all those desks? Not only in that room, but the other rooms in the school as well. They're all from Northern Ireland. They're desks that were going to be thrown out by local schools, primary schools, because they were getting new ones. So we take them, strip them, ship them, reassemble them, and take them out to the school. And they're far better desks than what they've ever seen out there. And it's all God's resource, and it's all from good old Northern Ireland. So we have ten primary schools that we work in, government schools, Six secondary schools. We have 1,650 kids in our program. Now, they're not all sponsored, but they're on our program. As I say, we don't go to a child, take their picture, and say, I'll go home and see if they can get you a sponsor. There's no faith in that. And if you're interested in sponsoring a child, there's a whole lot of packs, little plastic A5 wallets sitting out there. Please take one with you. But that's how we work. We put the children in school, give them their meters, give them all they need to go to school, and then we go looking for the sponsors. And God has blessed that. We've also three special needs schools. Now, time's gone, but I'll whisk through this very quickly. Uh, this is Humboldt's special needs school. We have a missionary out there called Jackie. 
Jackie will be there almost three and a half years. Whenever I left her there, I says, Jackie, whenever I'm not here, you are me. Now, is that a dangerous thing to say to a woman or what? You know? Because she took me at my word. But she knew what it meant. Because she knows the ethos of our ministry, she wasn't going to come looking for finance. She's, if she sees a need, she addresses the need. This was Humboldt's special needs school. And at that school, there was blind, partially sighted. There was disabled and there was albino children, which most of these kids lived all the year round there because of the superstition associated with albinism and stuff like that. And I'll not go into that. But over there in the wintertime, it's cold. Not one of these children had a blanket. The mosquito nets that they had, you could have stuck your head through them, but they were no good. They were doubled up on beds because there wasn't enough beds. You know, whenever Jackie found this, within a week, every child, every child had a blanket and a mosquito net. Every child had a pillow. We've never seen pillows. Pillow and a pillowcase. Every child had a bed. She got beds made and took them out. We had tables and chairs that we had got from schools here previously shipped out. They went out. And she went out and gathered all this stuff up. And, of course, it had to be paid for. Again, a step of faith. Do you know within one week it was all covered by an anonymous donation? God's work, done in God's way, will never lack God's supply. This wee girl here was, is partially sighted. She was gathering up all these pillows. Now, they weren't Dunlo pillows by any means. They were African pillows. But she was saying, Jackie sent me the wee picture and says, all she kept saying was, in case you can't read that, are these really for us? A pillow. Our singing of that was good, but theirs is even better, you know. One of the teams last year took a lot of these wee rattly instruments out, and they thought it was great. But what an opportunity, not just to tell them about the love of Christ. Yes, but show them, show them the love of Christ. That's what it's about. These are lovely kids, lovely kids. All they need, a little bit of help. This is another a school, a blind school called Bagiri, and the, the, the kids there are all blind, they wanted to sing for Jackie. She took a little clip on her phone. He has done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. I'm not going on because it's going on. This is Jesus, lover of my soul in Swahili. If you want to sing along. If you can see the words. Yes, sir. This week I hear has got burns all over his body as well. It's been blind. This wee girl here is called Zanabu. Zanabu's two arms are paralyzed, so they hang uselessly beside her body. Her two hands, her fingers are all twisted. She cannot open and close her fingers. Now, ordinarily, a child like that would be just left in the corner of a mud hut because they can't do anything. They can't look after their siblings. They can't work out in the feeders. The, the, the parents, most of the parents now are saying, well, why did I get this child? Another mouth to feed is up and not enough. But you know, all these children need is a little bit of help. Jackie got this wee girl here. And she got her a special desk, and she got her into school. She got her up to the front of the class. And with a lot of determination, a little bit of help, but a lot of determination on her part, this wee girl learned to write with her foot. 
She couldn't write with her hands. So she writes with her foot. And that's what she's writing there, just on the left-hand side of that. Her name's Zanabu. But look at the expression whenever it comes up here of accomplishment on the wee girl's face. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, against all odds. That was about a year and a half ago. Jackie sent me a picture, maybe a month and a half ago. Same wee girl. She was not content with writing with her foot. Sorry, I'm from Larne. We talk about foots down in Larne. She wasn't content with writing with her foot. And uh, she wanted to write like all the rest of the kids. But her arms, to get her arm up on a table, she has to fling it up. Her fingers don't work. But by getting someone to put a pen in their fingers and a lot more determination, she actually learned to write with her hand. Just a little bit of help. What's she writing? She's writing a letter to her sponsor, thanking her sponsor for investing even in her when everybody else had written her off. That's what it's about. It's about changing lives, one life at a time, giving kids a little bit of help. This is Jackie. Would you pray for Jackie? Now, she'll be coming home in September, all being well, after three and a half years. We will need a replacement for her, but she, she's a heart like a lion. We have a compound, a complex, my wife says, it's not a compound out there, that the company in Belfast built way at the very beginning. And it's just north of the Doma. And we have got a hostel there where our mission teams stay and then they would travel out 45 minutes or an hour into the bush in different directions. These schools, it's home base, that's our office. And there's a, a training unit there, but that has since moved over to the new buildings. She lives there by herself. Now she has four dogs. Now if anybody's interested in going, don't let that put it off, you know. <laughs> There's a wall around it, but there's, she's got four dogs. Dear help, anybody goes near her. And the only one she would have is whenever teams are there and uh, whenever visitors are there. What I want, I want to say, and very quickly in closing, is it's nigh on impossible for a white person to get a work visa in Tanzania. doesn't make any sense. You've got a mission hospital in the Doma. There's volunteers come from the UK, from the United States, doctors and different medical staff. They will not give them work permits or residence residency. So what do they do? They go in on a three-month visitor's visa, the way I would go in. You're not allowed to do any work stamped in it, but they'll go in, do their work. After three months, they have to leave or they'll be deported and not allowed back. Or they'll go up in the next country, up into Kenya. They'll stay overnight. They'll come in again the next day on another three-month visitor's visa. That's how it works. Do you know what? We applied for a visa for Jackie and got it. No problem. No problem. And people said, how did you get that visa? We got a two-year work visa for her. That has since run out. We applied and got another one. You see, whenever God's in it, and I'm not saying God's not in other things, but whenever God's in it, if there's an obstacle, God will remove that obstacle, or he will find a way to get around that. God's work, done in God's way, will never lack God's supply. We pray for Jackie, because she has to go out into the middle of nowhere to take food, to register and re-register kids, and she has to work with officials, and that is a nightmare. Nightmare. They don't work in our logic system like what we work on. But thank you for your support of Kids for School. If you're interested in sponsorship, uh, it's £39 a year. There's plenty of packs out there. They're all different. Please lift one. Even if you don't think you'll sponsor, take it with you. There's a lot of information on it anyway. And again, again, I just want to thank those who do partner with us. Again, I would have, I could go on for another hour. You wouldn't allow that. But uh, so much has been taking place and so much is happening. But Get this, God is faithful. If we step out in faith, if it's here in Balnehenge or if it's in Tanzania, God 
will, God cannot let, it, let us down if it's in his will, because that's who he is. Thank you, Pastor.